Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show. I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Dr. Marcel Pulte. Last name is spelled P-O-L-T-E. And I spoke to him about six or seven months ago about his two-part book series. The title in English is Dark New World Order. So we talked about the part one uh, six months ago. And today we're going to talk about part two. Very interesting themes and names have popped up in this book. He's definitely done his research and done a lot of stuff. I think his positions might be a little controversial for people, but I do think that there's an underground of this multidimensionality or people contacting entities and things like that. But we can talk more about that in detail. He's also published a book in the time that uh, after we did our last interview, the title of that book in English, which will be coming out. I think shortly within the next three months, is Uncle Sam's An Inside Account of he from Hell of Monarch Mind Control. And the German's a little bit different, but he's also published some other books. Gray's Worldwide Activities and Kidnapping, Kidnappings in Germany. And then I Talk My Life and Exit from Satanic Ritual Violence. And then another one is Non-Human Contact After the Pentagon's UFO Disclosure. What do we know? So he's, like I said, he's done some excellent research and I highly recommend people check out his other books. But again, this one is going to be part two of the Dark New World Order. The title, full title is Dark New World Order, part two, the puppet masters and their motives. So Marcel, Dr. Marcel Polte, welcome back to the show. William, thank you very much for inviting me again. I enjoyed very much talking with you last time. And uh, I think we'll, we'll be touching some very interesting However, controversial topics, but yeah, we will see. Well, we were talking in the pre-show. These some of these themes are around in other parts of just my research, just kind of being talking to people and reading other books as well. But maybe for people who haven't heard your background, you worked as a lawyer, you're a hypnotherapist, you have a very interesting career. Can you kind of talk about what led you to put together this two-part series, Dark yes. New World Order? Yeah, I, indeed. I worked uh, for 15 years as a lawyer in um, top international law firms. Um, and uh, therefore, it's uh, um, all the more um, astonishing that I'm, I'm touching certain uh, topics that are quite controversial. But um, I stumbled about um, MK Ultra and ritual abuse uh, some years ago. And um, very soon realized uh, that um, it has a um, um, strong foundation of, of um, evidence. Um, and the most interesting thing is <coughs> how I got to the topic. And this is something I very rarely speak about. And at the, at the same time, it's uh, the reason why I put out this Dark New World order book in two parts, in part one and part two, because... Um, I didn't want to mix up um, the topics in, in one book because I knew certain aspects of my research were quite too controversial to present them together with the um, normal MK Ultra and ritual abuse um, discussions. And how it started was that I worked as a hypnotherapist for some time besides my job as a lawyer. And the reason for this was that I became aware um, as someone who was very interested in the UFO phenomenon, was was now with, with, which has been a taboo for many decades and now has come to mainstream for since December 2017, and um, I very soon realized that the UFO phenomenon is real. Uh, but if you want to know more about the background of what is happening there, it makes sense to look at the so-called abduction research, which means um, the thousands of reports worldwide um, from persons who claim to have had contact or abduction experiences um, of some kind. And there many people do not know this today. <clears throat> and there was a quite an extensive research work done in the 80s and 90s by persons like um, uh, Professor um, John, uh, Mack. Uh, John Mack, yes, um, Bud Hopkins um, and others worldwide, German doctor Johannes Fiebach um, and so on, Barbara Lamb and uh, quite a number of uh, researchers, uh, some of them like Dr. Mack experts, he was a psychiatrist. <laughs> he was a and, he uh, was a very uh, well trained psychiatrist at Harvard, like a prestigious yeah, yeah. university. Harvard People thought Medical he was School. kind of 
Yeah, he yep. stepped off the reservation, so to speak, or he went off, you know, went off the deep end, supposedly. But uh, he uh, he did categorize and and uh, had experiencers and things like that. I did a whole show on him too. I'll yeah, put that in the show. Yeah, indeed, um, he was even attacked by its uh, by his own university and uh, won the lawsuit um, and could could stay there because they could not prove that he did any anything wrong, and. Um, during uh, the time when I researched um, the U.S. American, but also German abduction cases and literature, um, I found out that a um, very strong tool to get to memories that normally those persons do not have anymore um, is uh, hypnosis. So by applying hypnosis, by applying a um, certain level of relaxation uh, or trance, in many cases, um, the abductees um, remembered uh, what had happened with them. And um, uh, what was interesting is the very, um, yeah, the very common pattern that emerged from all those reports. I don't want to go more deeper in this, but this was um, for me the reason why I became interested in hypnosis, um, even acquired a kind of, um, of a official permission to, to apply hypnosis as a therapy. And while I was working um, with certain persons who, um, who claimed to have uh, contact experiences and wanted to find out more what happened to them, very unexpectedly um, during a session, uh, something like a channeling appeared. Um, suddenly, I was not talking anymore to, to this person um, who should only describe to me certain experiences uh, from the past. But suddenly, um, uh, yeah, the, the whole scenario changed uh, and something seemed to be talking through this person with me. And um, when this happened first, um, I was very um, skeptical. I thought maybe this woman had kind of a psychological problem. Um, but soon after this, um, during a period of six or seven months, um, further um, in further hypnosis sessions, uh, such channelings um, appeared again. So... At the end, it was about, I think, six or seven uh, channelings. And, and in most cases, um, the, the entities um, that talked to me uh, claimed to be reptilian entities. And I had not heard before or not much uh, before about reptilians because in abduction research, normally you're dealing with those little gray um, entities and uh, have many reports of people. Um, who describe, describe in detail how they interacted uh, with these greys. And um, when I had those <clears throat> conversations, um, the topics that arose that were, were reported to me um, uh, were topics like uh, mind control, um, uh, control of humanity, control of um, all the politicians was claimed, and so on. And and I wondered um, what are those um, entities, and I couldn't be sure if it's uh, entities at all. But um, it it was quite a pattern, um, uh, also with respect to the content of those channelings. So I started to research um, what they told me and find out, okay, ritual abuse seemed to be something real. We talked about it in our last show, um, especially, and uh, this was new, I found out that uh, expert literature from therapists since decades um, contained uh, detailed descriptions of uh, survivors um, of ritual abuse and also MK Ultra and um, the, the reports that are contained in German expert literature um, fit to the reports contained in the US American expert literature. So um, <laughs> by this, I started um, to um, uh, look at this topic and um, look at further sources, studies, uh, CIA documents and so on. And um, finally thought, okay, now I have so much material, I have to write a book um, about it uh, first to bring it in a, in a certain shape for me to, to categorize it or to bring it in a certain structure. Um, and second, to inform the public. Um, but on the other hand, I also 
uh, realized um, that I cannot talk um, uh, at the same time about ritual abuse and MK Ultra um, and about reptilian entities, possession, and a multidimensional universe. So I decided while I was writing um, to make uh, two parts of this book. The first part, part um, remaining on a on a worldly level, on a physical level, describing. Uh, what therapists uh, found out, what, what survivors uh, talked about, and so on, um, about the MK Ultra documents um, and uh, all of this. And in the second part, touching those more controversial topics, which, however, um, at the end were the starting point for my whole journey because it all began with those channelings. And uh, this is how it came to those uh, two part uh, series. Right. And you write in this second book that a lot of these people, like they did a survey of people in psychiatry or psychology, and they found that 40 percent, like a very significant number, believed that they were in contact with some other discarnate entity or something that was like haunting them. Right. So this is not that uncommon. And I think it fits in with kind of the Christian kind of worldview where Christ is casting out demons and entities and yeah, you know, con conversing with Satan, or like literally taken to a mountaintop. I mean, so I think that the idea that there's another dimension is not that far out, at least from a biblical worldview at all. So people, I mean, it's definitely not like the hard science view, but I would say even in the hard science, they have the idea of the uh, multiverse, I think, or uh, yes. What, what, what's the other term? So they they kind of have a scientific term, but not kind of a mytholo mythological, kind of biblical based term, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you find those phenomena like possession and um, um, entities from other dimension in nearly all culture. Uh, you find it in the Bible. You find it in the Quran, the the so called jinn. You find it in African cultures and Asian culture, cultures and so on. I have uh, friends, uh, for example, uh, from Ethiopia and uh, from Eritrea. And um, when they heard <coughs> that I wrote something about possession and reptilian entities, they told me, and I know them from, from, uh, from my youth, um, they told me for the first time, um, I have to tell you something in our culture. This is quite common and widespread, and widespread belief, and many people have experiences. Um, and they had never told me before because they said uh, they thought I, I would understand it, um, and were quite surprised that I researched uh, this topic now. Um, however, um, uh, I um, I decided when I write about possession and um, reptilian entities, um, I first want to also present a physical model of the universe that might explain this. And this is the model of a multidimensional universe, <coughs> apparently a um, virtual universe. And uh, second, I wanted to prove as many uh, testimony um, uh, for this, uh, for those uh, reptilian entities, and proof from history that um, that demonstrates that throughout the centuries or the um, whole uh, history of humanity, you can find a trace of um, um, uh, serpent entities which were um, uh, considered as gods. You find this in Africa, you find this in India. Um, I even found um, um, yeah, descriptions of reptilian-looking uh, upright entities from Mesopotamia and so on. Um, so um, it's, I think, important um, before you talk about entities, um, think about the possible um, model of the universe that might enable such phenomena. And um, there's something very um, interesting that I found after I wrote this book. Therefore, it is not contained in it. Um, in an annex um, of this book, I describe <coughs> in detail, um, based on different sources, uh, inter alia, um, on, um, on an American uh, physicist uh, called uh, Tom Campbell um, and other sources, um, this multidimensional universe. 
And uh, when I researched my new book, uh, Uncle Sam's, um, I stumbled um, about um, a disclosed um, military document <coughs> from 1983. And um, this was uh, the author of this document is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Wayne McDonnell, and it's addressed to the commander of the U.S. Army Operational Group in Fort Meade. You can find it uh, on the internet. And in this um, document, <clears throat> this uh, Lieutenant Colonel McDonnell uh, describes in detail um, uh, his um, understanding of a multidimensional universe uh, with all the physics that you need to describe such a model um, against the background um, because the military was interested in it um, against the background of uh, out-of-body experiences and interdimensional travel. So we have here a military document describing exactly this multidimensional universe um, and even uh, referring to multidimensional travel, which um, besides is a common theme in the reports of um, ritual abuse and in particular MK Ultra survivors, for example, Kathy O'Brien um, always talked uh, that she should learn um, to travel um, um, over the uh, rainbow uh, to another dimension. And other uh, survivors uh, um, reported similar things. So the, the perpetrators know exactly that we are living in such a universe and that it is possible uh, to uh, to reach those other uh, realms or those other dimensions, which, um, by the way, this Lieutenant Colonel McDonnell also describes, he says, with certain um, techniques, um, trans techniques, and he worked together with, um, um, with um, how is it called, um, the Mayas. The, um, it's an institute founded um, by a researcher and entrepreneur, um, who was very interested in out-of-body uh, states. Um, uh, was it the Noetic Institute? Noetic Institute? Uh, <laughs> no, it was, um, if I look at the name, um, um, it is a uh, well-known, it's the number one if you talk about um, out-of-body states. Um, he scribe, he, um, he's written books um, about the topic. Uh, he was the first one. Um, uh, I just uh, forget his name now, uh, but he worked together with the CIA because he developed some techniques. Uh, one technique is called the gateway experience um, uh, in order to um, enable a human being uh, to, to reach a certain state of consciousness, uh, which then enables such out-of-body experiences. And the was CIA Thomas was. Campbell? Was it Thomas? Campbell? Uh, no, no, it was not. Uh, but, Maybe but not. yeah, Tom, Thomas Campbell. Um, by the way, he, as a physicist, worked for for this guy. Um, I just have to look up his name. Is it was? Uh, uh, no, I don't. I, I will. Uh, no. Doctor John Primo. Uh, I have to look it up. It just fell out of my mind. Um, Hugh Everett? I, yeah. Is that him? No. Um, look at it one moment. Is it an American? Yeah, it's, it's, he's an American. Um, he has also a secret clearance um, by the CIA uh, for his work. Um, I think about two, two or three books. Um, yeah, okay, now I found it. Robert Monroe. It's Mo Robert Monroe. And he was a director of the Monroe Institute of Applied Sciences. Um, and the CIA worked uh, with this institute. Um, they sent some personnel to this institute because they should learn um, those techniques. And this Lieutenant Colonel McDonnell is referring to this so-called gateway experience developed at the uh, Monroe Institute of Applied Sciences and describes how, in his opinion, is um, someone can be able uh, to reach a, a such a state of conscience, uh, consciousness um, that he can enter or she can enter an out-of-body state. Interestingly, this is a scenario uh, which 
is very similar to the Netflix series uh, Stranger Things, where um, children are held captive in a government institute uh, where uh, they also um, should learn under certain conditions uh, to be able uh, to, to enter those other realms. Um, there's also a reference in the in the series to MK Ultra. Uh, they, for example, uh, they show um, um, sensory deprivation tanks um, in the series, which, um, according to survivor reports, um, had been used uh, or are used uh, by the CIA in this context. So, yeah, quite interesting. Uh, so this was another confirmation, this uh, document by Lieutenant Colonel McDonnell, uh, for this, um, for my hypothesis of a multidimensional universe, which was the basis for talking about um, those reptilian entities or demonic entities um, and demonic possession. Right. And so that's it. So that's uh, setting that up. But it's also interesting because in the occult, they would believe that they could uh, have out-of-body experiences. They would yeah, have yeah. travel or some other term. Like Crowley said, he could go and, and talk to people on the other side of the whole world through astral yeah. travel. Whether that's true or not is another question, but I guess that but, would be kind of a kind of out-of-body experience. I yes. think David Bowie, too. Like he, he, had, he was in, he knew so much about astral travel, he has dressed up where they have the silver cord because they're supposed to, you're supposed to take like a psychic silver cord so that you can find your way back to your body after you astral travel. There's pictures of him with that silver cord, like yeah, yeah, um, yeah, clothing uh, on. Yeah, very interesting. There's so many reports of survivors um, describing such out of body um, experiences um, in, in two categories. One category is that uh, a out of body experiences can occur as a coping mechanism in a very traumatic um, um, moment. And um, many survivors, for example, Chantal Fry, uh, she has she has written uh, the book uh, Speaking Out that you mentioned before. I just uh, contributed a foreword, so it's not written by me. But she's a very interesting uh, survivor from Switzerland because she, um, she got insights in... Um, in, in the cult um, or in high-ranking Illuminati uh, circles. She even mentioned some names of uh, world-famous persons from politics, from entertainment uh, that she encountered during rituals. For example, one ritual was held in Barcelona <coughs> in uh, Spain in the Sagrada Familia, where she had to take part um, in, a, in a satanic wedding. And um, she, for example, describes in her books uh, that during abuse, um, she suddenly saw her body from, from above. And this is kind of kind of a typical um, description for survivors. And the other, other category is that um, the perpetrators who know this coping mechanism um, uh, try to train the victims um, to get into those, such states um, intentionally. So um, they they are torturing them to a point when the body, uh, when the consciousness leaves the body. Uh, for example, Swali, um, also a Illuminati insider, uh, she describes this, and she um, described to me that, for example, in this uh, this state was required because she could get into, uh, or she could get to other dimensions. Um, in order to make contact with entities and receive information by them that might be useful for the cult and, and things like this. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. And that's kind of what Crowley was doing too when he was trying to contact entities. He was trying to get the information and write it down. So he was trying to kind of like, it wasn't just to contact, it was to receive information, whether yeah. you know, all these other ones. All the, he had different entities. He had like the wizard. He had Haywas. He had all these other creatures. And if you, like, I've had the misfortune or whatever to read a lot of occultists. Uh, Alan Moore, his entity is called Glycon, who is a snake creature. Okay. And he's super, in, he's incredibly, he's probably the most influential comic book writer a lot that's ever existed. And he is, half of his time he's spending doing magic or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, his entity is Glycon. It's a snake mm -hmm. entity. 
very interesting. Yeah. And, and and he describes it <clears throat> as a kind of huge snake or more like yeah. a rep- yes, yeah, like a snake. Yeah. You can look because up. it's actually it's I, actually in my book, Children of the Beast. Ah, okay. Because that was the name of his snake creature or whatever. So you, these themes pop up like in my research. So when I'm reading yours, it's like, oh. Here's a piece. I, here's piece I heard several um, witness testimony from persons I personally know that described such a very, very big um, uh, uh, snake that they uh, encountered in such a kind of experience. So it's quite interesting uh, to hear this now from you. But isn't it also like one of the things that goals is to uh, disassociate, right? So yes, these kind of leaving your body, it's also kind of a forced dissociation where they're trying to compartmentalize yeah my yeah. control victims too right like through it, torture and extreme duress right yeah it all comes together and for example <coughs> uh, katie groves a u.s american uh, mk ultra survivor uh, which i have written about in the book you mentioned uh, uncle sam's the title uncle sam's is referring to uncle sam's snuff factory which is a underground facility in texas 45 minutes uh, from from Austin, uh, where she experienced um, MK Ultra and um, snuff film productions um, and so on, and um, <clears throat> she describes something very interesting, uh, which uh, refers to this uh, topic. Um, she describes that she had to learn dissociative viewing, and by dissociative viewing is meant um, that um, several personality parts. Um, should learn to get into an out-of-body state. So um, she would have a 360-degree vision. Uh, It was called omnivision by the perpetrators. So as a so-called delta slave or delta order uh, alter that was trained as an assassin, uh, she um, on one side had to stay focused on the target, but on the other side... Um, should um, uh, should be aware of uh, certain dangers. So she was um, trained to have this um, dissociative viewing capacity by sending out certain alters um, that hovered around her as in, in a kind of out-of-body state. So it was intentionally used, this uh, coping mechanism, for this very specific purpose. Wow, fascinating. And here's that reference that I had to Alan Moore. Acolyte of Glycon. Comic book genius Alan Moore talks about his worship of an ancient cult snake god. Oh, yeah. Glycon. So it's all, it's there. It's really incredible. Like, yeah. This is a modern guy. And yeah, all his occultism is, is, seeps through all his work, too. So there is an occult connection in between these kind of reptilians and Satanism. I mean, where does the this kind of contact with these entities and Satanism, where do they overlap? I mean, do they overlap? Yes, um, uh, and, and another point because, uh, before I answer your question, because um, it, it fits here uh, when we are talking about a snake god, uh, I describe um, in my book, as I mentioned before, I studied the history to find traces of uh, snake um, or reptilian worship. And indeed with the, um, with the Maya in Mexico, um, they uh, were worshipping a snake god. There are inscriptions uh, where they describe that in a trance state, um, a snake um, entity was contacted. Uh, you see um, uh, depictions of, um, um, human, uh, of persons half human, half snake. Uh, so uh, this also mirrors uh, there. And yeah, you, you asked about the connection between those entities and ritual abuse and MK Ultra, And yeah, I have to say, um, if, if you look at ritual abuse and also at um, MK Ultra, um, you always find um, um, descriptions of those survivors that are hardly to believe because they are so cruel, so inhuman that therapists um, even had uh, at the beginning uh, their their problems with believing this because they could not imagine that um, a human being can do something cruel uh, like that. 
for example, um, tearing apart a child and then feeding it to, to other children and, and things like this, that um, uh, often uh, those accounts are often heard uh, by the survivors. So the question is uh, always, how can a human being do something? And I think the answer is that at the end, uh, those human beings, in many cases, all are like like puppets um, of other entities, of very negative entities, we, which stay behind um, those satanic circles. If they call, if you call them Illuminati or um, whatever name you will give them, but uh, the insiders, uh, which are very high ranking, always refer to other entities um, that, are, uh, uh, that are on the top of the pyramid and uh, describe them as demonic and uh, some of them reptilian looking. And I recently, um, uh, I recently received a report by a German survivor um, who describes uh, the, or, or who reported to me that she's coming from a family uh, with a reptilian connection and she even saw uh, members of her family uh, shape-shifting into this reptilian form and uh, she's only one <laughs> of many um, uh, testimony uh, witnesses um, in my book I yeah I, I cited a number of witnesses from from different parts um, of the world um, which described those encounters with reptilian entities and what was very important for me is that um, uh, some of those witnesses um, talked about reptilian entities controlling humanity coming from another dimension and so on long before David Icke, uh, who's always considered as the inventor of the um, reptilian um, conspiracy narrative, um, long before he wrote his first book on the topic in 1999, uh, The Biggest Secret, uh, there, um, there had been source, those reports, for example, by Dr. Dr. Michael Harner. He was an anthropologist um, who published a book in 1980 where he described that he worked with um, uh, an indigenous uh, folk in, in Peru and he uh, asked or, or he told the shaman that he wanted to learn more about their culture and asked him how he could succeed in this. And the shaman told him, um, <coughs> then you should do a ayahuasca trip. And he uh, took this psychedelic um, drunk or drug and uh, in this um, um, yeah, amended state um, of, of consciousness uh, or of uh, the mind, um, he encountered uh, reptilian entities and they were telling him uh, we have to use uh, humans as kind of a mm, tool or like a, mm, yeah, like a, like a, yeah, like a tool um, uh, to inhabit uh, them uh, because they cannot um, yeah, materialize in this world in order to control humanity and, uh, and more things like this. So, um, he even wrote about the exact scenario that um, 20 years later David Icke described. And so uh, you can prove that it is not invented by David Icke, but was uh, uh, reported by others as well. And I give other uh, examples from the so-called abduction <coughs> literature because um, it is not only experiences with the grace. If you study... Um, uh, those uh, the, the books um, from the abduction researchers you found, um, although it's not many, but you found some reports of people. I also found uh, reports from Germany from the 80s and 90s where uh, people described having encountered reptilian beings and they um, normally were unpleasant account encounters. Right. No, it's incredible. So it's almost kind of ties into the whole idea of demonology where they have to inhabit a body they can't they're not part of this realm and it's the same things about demons like coming into possession and actually some of these people in the occult they want to be possessed which is even stranger yeah. like because yeah. i've come across that uh in the order of nine angles they try to become possessed and unpossessed at will by dark gods or dark entities so it's real to them like they're trying to contact them and I've, there's yeah. other cultures that are like that yeah it supposedly gives them power 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it's good that you mentioned this because um, last weekend I talked to a young uh, survivor of ritual abuse, <clears throat> 34, 34 years old, and he described me one uh, incident where he uh, became obsessed during a ritual by an entity, um, because. Uh, the idea behind this was uh, the entity um, is not able to to do a ritual by itself. It has to get into this human being, in, in this case, in this human, uh, in this young man, um, in order to experience how it is to kill um, a young child and to eat this killed uh, child afterwards. And he was describing this in detail. Some tears were running down because it was very emotional for him to remember. Um, and he also mentioned that in the same moment when this entity was taking over his body, uh, he also felt an incredible power. Um, uh, it, he never experienced uh, something and uh, this kind of power before, which apparently came from this um, entity. And, and, and he also told me something that showed me he was not making up the story because he told me in the moment when he was kind of connected with this very evil, extremely evil and dark entity, um, the entity was using him and was kind of um, yeah, having control over him. But at the same time, he could um, perceive the way of thinking or uh, the the character of uh, of this entity or the darkness or the hate um, for for things that are beautiful and so on and this is something that david shirtner uh, also described in his book uh, the rabbit hole um, when his father died um, he he told uh, or, or he tells in this book um, the demon which the family assumed had possessed his father, um, tried to take over David Scherter. And um, he describes that at this moment, um, the being was looking or was looking in his memories or in his consciousness for things he could uh, use against uh, David. Uh, but at the same time, he also um, felt uh, the, the sadness and um, all those, yeah, traits uh, of this entity uh, so it was very a very similar description that i received uh, from this young man um, ref um in regard to what uh, david Schurter is describing right and so you have this kind of overlap with your book that in real world people are getting possessed there are like uh, exorcists there's tons of exorcists out yeah we actually the original exorcist was based on a movie called possessed which was yep. about a young boy uh, tinkering around with a Ouija board and literally got possessed oh, yeah. and they had to exercise it. And yeah. doing strange things. So these some the, some people would not want that to happen, but then on this kind of dark side, occultist, whatever, they trying to get possessed. They're trying to get information. And you actually, like in your job as a hypnotherapist, like you had conversations with these entities yeah. or recorded conversations you you should read the Crowley uh, conversations with his entities because they seem to be very similar. I'll have to send them to you. But can you talk about your kind of for your involvement in trying to get information from uh, extra dimensional entities? Yeah, um, uh, you, you mean the content of the of the channelings that channelings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Um, uh, first of all. Um, uh, I myself uh, always have have to have to ask myself: Did this really happen? Because uh, we we are now talking uh, very um, uh, relaxed about this topic. But um, if you imagine um, that indeed a person can talk to extra dimensional um, entities via via another human being, um, this is very uh, a very very astonishing and incredible um, incident uh, however uh, as you mentioned it it appeared um, many times i recorded it um, on on um, yeah i recorded all those uh, conversations and um, the information i received um, very much uh, matches what 
what is known about this topic um, of reptilian um, control over humanity. Uh, for example, um, they told me that they have complete uh, control, that they are controlling um, almost all politicians, that they uh, have control in certain areas of uh, our society, for example, in, in medicine and in when when i and they said they are interested in reducing um <coughs> mankind and when i asked them how how uh, they want to do this um they they mentioned that they have different methods um and one method would be um vaccination <laughs> and this was in 2017 long before um we we knew that something like the sea point thing uh, would be happening right. so uh, it was very interesting um, and my book was published before it so uh, I can prove that this is not a, an idea that I introduced in those um, uh, alleged um, uh, conversation with um, negative entities uh, but was um, actually uh, told me then and um, uh, for example I, I also asked um, why are you <laughs> doing such things like um, sacrificing a child. And the short question war was, um, it is, um, I have to think how it's in English, it is pure, uh, pure pleasure, pure pleasure for us. It's like, like a drug for them. They said it's like a drug um, if, uh, if they can, um, yeah, if they can, take over or extract the energy that it released in such a traumatic, um, horrible moment where someone is tortured or someone is abused or someone is sacrificed. So at the end, um, it has very much to do with um, energetic aspects. Um, it seems like those entities are dependent on certain um, energies that are produced in a um, situation which, which we consider as, as negative, like uh, painful situations um, um, and so on. So I think this is an, a very important aspect to understand why certain rituals are held and why they are held in this way. Um, and uh, also consuming of, of human meat and blood um, plays a role in this and um, yeah, these these were some of the things I learned from those um, conversations. Um, another thing is uh, that uh, one, uh, a more friendly, a more positive um, reptilian being. So I have to say they were not all the same. They um, seemed sometimes have two different agendas. And this matches with the witness testimony I mentioned in my book, uh, for example, Dr. R.D. Sixkiller Clark, a professor with um, um, uh, <coughs> um, uh, who, who researched very much um, the topic of uh, the UFO phenomenon and ET contacts in the Native American community and collected hundreds or I think um, in the meantime thousands um, of reports from Native Americans. Um, and in one of her latest books, um, which was uh, released uh, at the time I was writing at Dark New World Order Part Two. Um, she uh, published seven accounts of uh, Native Americans who encountered reptilian beings. So this was another important source for me. And um, however, on, um, I also learned that uh, the descriptions of the reptilian beings somehow varied <laughs> as well as uh, the behavior. Most of them were very dark or aggressive, but there were also exceptions. And in one of those channelings, when I talked um, to one reptilian entity, um, this um, presented itself more like a scientist working on a genetic breeding program and uh, said that they are uh, very concerned with um, executing or conducting this uh, genetic breeding program with the aim of fusing uh, human and reptilian DNA um, in order to create a, a human being that can be 
possessed by reptilian entities more easily. And uh, this is also what David Icke has um, said before, why certain bloodlines um, are so important for those perpetrators, uh, because those mostly aristocratic bloodlines um, have certain or seem to have certain genetic um, features that enable such a possession by other entities. It's amazing. I think Mac talked about that too. He found that those same stories existed of the yep. like the entities wanting to create hybrids and stuff. So at least those stories are real. Whether it's really happening is another real story. I mean, yeah. Uh, but it is incredible. Like these contacts and the possession. It goes through actually a lot of research was in um, Indonesia and the voodoo was trying people are trying to get possessed. Yeah. So it's this entity possession is not as out there it's in just very much more prevalent in other cultures but maybe yes. not in the west but um these uh, these stories are there i mean there's no question about it yeah and and another point i'm mentioning because you said it's not a present in in the western culture which which i agree um, um and so you can ask yourselves and I did a little research on this, uh, all those cases where some uh, where a person is murdering um, another person and, and um, telling the police, I heard uh, voices that told me to do this, um, which are um, considered as uh, schizophrenic um, disorder. Um, you have to wonder <laughs> if... Um, if not actually, uh, this is a kind of possession taking place because uh, you, you find a clear pattern. If you look at these cases, um, it's always said there are um, uh, voices that are trying to influence me. I try to fight those voices. I did not succeed. And at the end, uh, it accumulates and, and uh, someone um, is driven to, to um, murder uh, another person. And it's um, it's not rare. There's quite a number of such cases from different countries. I cite some of them in my book from from Germany, from the U.S., from from many many countries. So um, uh, modern psychology um, should ask itself if it not should have to look at certain uh, psychological phenomena from from another perspective. Right. Yeah. It's not, that's kind of like what Matt got in trouble for our, is that he went off into a whole thing. He verified that a lot of these people's stories were, you know, they thought they were really having that experience. So it is yep. interesting that he was a first rate kind of person, but yeah, there might be other explanations. And I think it's really because of the modern kind of world, the scientific world. But I think that the idea of entities or angelic or demons uh, is really uh written into the kind of western at least christian canon like at least yeah. that's always there whether yeah. people believe it or not so it's interesting like it got written out and then people are saying hey this might still be happening but it happens a lot and a lot of these people do it to get into trance states there's all kinds of other states of consciousness involved too which is a whole nother story but uh marcel we are at the 50 minute mark i mean really great talk thanks a lot for sharing that information and doing this research i think it is in very interesting um, we saw some names pop up uh, that keep popping up. We talked in the pre-show. Jolly and West is in this book. I, I was introduced to a new name. I didn't know her name. It was uh, Arizona Wilder. Arizona Wilder and yeah. Thelma Moss. No, Thelma Moss is uh, interesting. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm at I'm very close to UCLA in the neuropsychology oh, okay. Institute. Mm -hmm. So kind of yeah, I kind of come across all that stuff uh, or the the school, um, but. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot to learn here. You've done an immense amount of research. So, I mean, all your books, I mean, the two books that I've read are all very well mm -hmm. researched. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed or how'd you like to wrap it up? Uh, no, uh, thank you, Phil. Uh, maybe one last mention. Um, one reason why in Western um, society the phenomenon of um, possession is ridiculed is um, if we... Um, if we um, think that uh, those that control our society are connected to those cults, it's um, logically in their interest uh, that that we are not aware or ridicule uh, ourselves about such phenomena um, and uh, should not take them serious because uh, they are in an advantage of knowing those things and using those phenomena 
against humanity. So it's uh, it's all quite quite logical. And thank you again for your openness uh, and and your um, willingness to talk about those more controversial uh, topics as well. No problem. I mean, I from my own research before I even read this book. There's a theme like I can add to kind of the stuff that you're researching. I don't I believe that I'm a multidimensional person. I don't believe in the five senses. I've had experiences that cannot be explained by, you know, Darwinian, whatever evolution yep. thing that can't be explained. So I'm not uh, I have kind of a more biblical worldview. So it's a, at, at this it's a different kind of take. But. I think that it's kind of like uh, in the Bible, it would be like the days of Noah when people are much more into these. De- I mean, if you go back and look at the Old Testament, if people talk about Molech and Beelzebub yep. and it's yep. kind of like these dark entities that go through that theme as well, sure. not just other cultures. So I think it's important to at least have this discussion so people can know that these things are out there. I mean, I mean just like you said, the military has been investigating men who scare goats, yep. goats, whether it's astral travel remote viewing they i mean i think they prove yeah. remote viewing works right like you've proved yeah. that's right in your new yeah. book right yeah. yeah in my new book i uh, i used remote viewing to remote view the cia and we could confirm a underground facility that was described uh, by katie groves this uh, mentioned before uncle sam's uh, snuff factory and found there a very interesting again genetic breeding project uh, so yeah interesting things that came up no snuff films they do exist they they they're not talked about but like leonard lake and, and richard ink made snuff films there's the guy in canada um what was his name yeah uh, i forgot his name it was like one one crazy guy two acts oh uh, yeah and yeah. then dutro Pictum? So like, no, yeah no yeah uh, and and recently the german police issued a press um, press release Uh, where they told uh, the public that they closed some dark web pages and one dark web pages, uh, which was more protected uh, than the other ones, uh, contained uh, snuff movies. So this was first time an official confirmation that uh, snuff movies exist. Yeah, they exist, yeah. And then you talk about Scully in this book, which is the most horrific story. I mean, it's unbelievable the depravity that some humans are capable of. And that's the one example like that. Yeah. was a monster. They should have put him to death. I think they just threw him in jail, but he was uh, totally evil. So those things are out there and uh, people need to kind of just be aware, protect yourself, but a really great book and a great conversation. Thanks so much for your time. Dr. Marcel Pulte. Again, the title of the book is dark new world order part two, the puppet masters and their motives. Highly recommend people go check this out in English. So you can read it in English if you're in the States. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you. All right. Stay there.